shares lead to virality, leads to like word of mouth. It just, it kind of like spreads the word and the good energy. I don't know, Erica. I mean, we, we've had a lot of guests on this show. Um, I, I gotta say today's conversation was probably one of the best good energy moments, uh, on at least for me in recent podcast history. And a lot of it just has to do with how how Stephanie talks about using her nature of her nature of curiosity, her love of curiosity, doing things that spark joy, and and connecting that to her role in data and analytics at Lyft. You know, just having a learning agenda. I mean, she talked a, a little bit about the importance of you know remaining curious as a data analyst and using that to drive what kind of insights you go into a, a thing of TikTok or Instagram and set out to do. Yeah, I think what really made this conversation so cool was the passion, just the passion for the fans and for their individual engagements. And Stephanie just oozes, again, that that love, that absolute love for for their fans and for that that what the fans and the energy and the feedback what they're what they're giving her in that data and just not settling with data is is not always easy and i think she had some really incredible insight to how she views data how she takes the information that they're being given and how that's being brought to uh content the content team the strategy team and to executive stakeholders I uh, totally, and you know the the thing that I I am going to go on record here and say I probably am a Lyft person more than an Uber person, given a choice, uh, and and we always do have the choice. So uh, I already I already have an affinity for the Lyft brand, but just hearing her talk about their love of community and how they let that drive what they do in organic brand social. Uh, never mind their campaigns and other things. This is really about them just being, you know, that friendly, authentic brand that uh, that we that I as a consumer think them to be. And speaking of community and fans, it's important to us because uh, Social Pros listeners, you are our loyal fans, our loyal community, and we have some exciting news for you. If you haven't heard on a, another recent episode. During this year's Content Marketing Awards, thanks to you, our listeners, the Social Pros podcast placed first in best podcast and audio series. Uh, we're truly uh, grateful for your support and for giving us all the hours that you have over the years for listening to the podcast. Thank you for that. And that is something we're really very proud of. Now, before we get into the show today, we highly recommend you go check out our amazing show sponsor, ICUC. ICUC are experts in online and social media community management, and they're here to remind the world that there are real humans behind human brands. ICUC creates the space where tech meets human power by moderating, listening, and holding real conversations with customers on behalf of enterprise brands at a global scale. ICUC provides support and fills customer care gaps as an extension of your team 24 7, 365 days a year in any language and on every social channel. Head to icuc.social to schedule a consultation, talk strategy, and see how they can support you. 
That's icuc.social. And because we know time is precious for social media professionals, especially in a landscape where things are changing every day, uh, we created a free social media bundle at Convince and Convert that will help you execute an A-class social audit. The bundle includes uh, all kinds of things like a social media evaluation checklist, nine social media metrics that matter, a content calendar template, social media policy template, all the things you need to kind of go off and audit your social media efforts. You can download this free bundle at bit.ly bit.ly slash social audit bundle. And now let's dig into a conversation about, well, digging in to the data and analytics uh, that is with Stephanie Ramirez, Senior Data Analytics and Insights Lead at Lyft. So Stephanie Ramirez, thank you so much for being part of Social Pros. And before we get into it, I have to say, uh, you shared some notes with us prior to uh, our conversation today, just on your your background and kind of some of the work you're doing at Lyft. But, but I think one of the most remarkable things, we always are amazed by the depth of some of our, many of our guests on Social Pros. Uh, in particular, you described your, yourself as uh, being something called a multi-potentialite, which I think is uh, really a, a common phrase or a fancy phrase, a current phrase for a Renaissance human. But uh, your competitive Latin ballroom dancer, uh, you've won world titles, U.S. titles, a voiceover actress, Pilates teacher, public speaker, world traveler. And I, I have to ask, when did you discover that data and analytics fit into the Venn diagram of that uh, array of, of really compelling interests? So how, did, how did all of that uh, come together? Yeah, no, first off, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you both. Um, but yeah, oh my gosh, I do so many different hobbies outside of work. I think just so many things bring me passion. Um, but I think one thing about me too is I'm just a naturally curious person. I think I discovered that when I was little. Like just everything around me kind of just like sparked my interest. And then I kind of like focused on in on some of them. And so I kind of just honestly, I kind of lead with like what brings me joy now and then kind of just do it without any any kind of results or outcome out of it. So that kind of like led me to kind of what I'm doing now at Lyft. Um, I think for me, although my family, my, my dad is a data engineer as well. So he's very much into data. So I kind of got that inspiration from him. But being in marketing and especially with the niche of being in social media marketing, like data has so much power and has so much influence and you can't really like deny the numbers, like the numbers don't lie. And I feel like it has so much power to tell a story and really influence. It's like the backbone of strategy, honestly. So I feel like the curiosity of like wanting to know how things perform or forecasting or, or doing all of that is just so, it's just like sparks my curiosity. So it just became natural that that's where I really wanted to focus in on. And yeah, that's kind of where I felt like that's the niche I wanted to carve and the impact I wanted to have at Lyft, being a company that's obviously tech and data-driven itself. So, yeah. I absolutely yeah. loved hearing about curiosity because I feel very, very strongly as a strategist, as a marketer, that in today's landscape around data, it's, it's not necessarily about the numbers, it's about the insights from the numbers and how do we unearth a better understanding of that. And I'd love to hear a massive organization, a ton of riders. I've been that rider many a times. Probably many of our listeners have been. You know, what when you're 
taking all of this data, are you using social listening tools? Are you using, you know, other aggregate tools? Just would love to hear a little bit about that methodology um, that's bringing all of that together. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we first started this year, we made sure we had like a budget allocated to make sure we had the tools necessary to be able to pull all of this data. So it's definitely a bunch of different tools from just like social media management tools to uh, social listening tools to just overall research and insights tool, like working with our insights lead um, across the company um, just to make sure we're like matching what our overall data is. Like we're pulling in for the company outside of social and then tools that are specifically social driven. And even just using the native platforms themselves, too, and seeing what they report. It's, it's honestly like a, a mix of all of them together to put together our own formula. And then we're able to kind of just build it out in our different tools, uh, our reporting tools, and then even building out like Tableau dashboards is what we've been doing a lot of um, lately as well. I think you just, I mean, you probably spoke uh, truth to a lot of our social pro, social pros listener community, which is the uh, the, the diaspora of data, I guess, as it were, it lives in so many different forms and so many different yeah. formats, sometimes best seen on the native platforms uh, themselves. So I, I, I feel that a lot of our, our listeners are going to feel you <laughs> uh, on, on that. So talk a bit about, you know, what is in terms of the, the data driven social strategy at Lyft, you sit on the brand side, right? Mm -hmm. um, so how do you use like what role does, uh, I guess, data play in the sort of brand strategy for Lyft? And how do you, uh, how do you report on that? Is that a quarterly thing? Is that a weekly thing? Is it uh, like daily social listening that you use to kind of guide campaigns? Um, how, what does that look and feel like? Yeah, so it's kind of like a relatively new role. So what I sit under, I sit under the organic social team and that under is under a brand marketing, like you mentioned. And so I think the first thing is to kind of like differentiate what my role is, especially in the organic social team versus other data analysts on other teams. And for organic, it's not so much driving conversions. For us, it's brand awareness, brand love. So for us, we're not expecting from the content that we're putting out that people are automatically going to convert. It's more of just keeping top of mind when the next time they order a ride share, like they're thinking of us first versus, let's say, a data analyst on the paid social team, which their their mission, their action is to drive conversions, is to drive signups and drive all of that. So kind of differentiating that and setting expectations with folks when we do our reporting that we're reporting on the engagements. Are people hurting our content? Are they sharing it? Are they commenting on it, saving it? So things like that. Um, and then for us, it's like doing the day-to-day post-by-post analysis and just getting a good temperature check across our channels, like what's performing, what isn't, from the detail nuances to the formats to just the platform and then overall growth. Uh, we definitely obviously set like our 2022 KPIs and what we're trying to aim for. And so I measure that on a monthly basis of like how much percentage are we, are we getting towards our target KPI that we're trying to reach across the board. And then we do quarterly reports for our senior stakeholders to show, to show on a quarterly basis, you know, how we're progressing as well. Um, and then even just with our day-to-day -day collaborating teams, like our creative teams who are executing and publishing or, you know, all of our content, they're the ones who are making the content. And so we want to make sure they're in the loop of what, what how their content is performing as well. So keeping like a day-to-day -day pulse on how things are performing, if they're overperforming or underperforming. Um, and then just keeping track of the trends and monitoring what people are saying around our brand. I think that's really big too, to show value in what we do is like the share of voice, the brand sentiment. So kind of taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture um, to be able to report that to our senior stakeholders of the value that we're providing. So all of it kind of comes together. And then, of course, we do our campaign um, analysis too. We do larger campaigns, how those standalones do aside from our evergreen content. And then also just like 
making sure we're on top of like trends and platform best practices too. Like if Instagram carousels are are more popular now, you know, testing and learning and having an agenda of those. If reels are really obviously like booming, let's try more reels and seeing how they're doing and trying to test different things and having a specific learning agenda when we put content out um, just to make sure we're evolving and growing with the platforms. So is it primarily uh, kind of the classic brand uh, brand uh, metrics like engagement, uh, sentiment, these sorts of things? Is, is that generally how you evaluate either campaign basis or just an organic, uh, a, a smaller organic effort? Um, is it engagement rate? Is it is a common one? Yeah, I think for us, it's overall engagement rate. We want to see of our audience percentage, like how much are engaging with our content. Like for us, obviously, follow growth is important, but it's not like the end all be all. It's for us kind of like a vanity metric, like how much of our audience, even if it's big or small, like is actually engaging with our content. So that for us is always ranking number one. And that's a calculation we put together. Um, And then from there, it's like the more meaningful engagement. So if we were to break down the engagement, like a like is very easy to do. It's like we don't want to diminish the value of it, but it's also very simple and easy. You can quickly scroll like, like, like. But if you're commenting it, you're sharing it. You're, if you're encouraged to share it it's because you really, really connected with the content, even if you save it, like don't diminish saves as well. Like that's also really important. So kind of taking more of those meaningful actions more to heart first and then measuring down from there to likes at the bottom. Um, and then views too, like everything has obviously been so video focused. So kind of shifting to that and seeing retention rate, like if we're creating more and more video content, obviously we want a lot of views on it, but how many people are actually like staying towards the end to watch it and like the percentage of that looking at that. And then overall, if we're reporting to our senior stakeholders, we want to show like obviously brand sentiment, our share of voice, just overall like that, uh, that brand affinity. I love hearing and having this conversation with you. Vanity metrics. Anyone who's a social pros listener has heard me, you know, have my very passionate feelings about that. And just overall organic ROI. I think, you know, we're always sort of going in those stakeholder conversations and fighting the good fight on the value of organic. And I, Again, I think it is a, it can be a challenge for all brand leaders to help, you know, spell out just the value of of these metrics. Um, and that was going to be, a, you know, a question that I have. Is there a favorite metric amongst all of them? And, and you mentioned several, but a favorite metric that the stakeholders, you know, for your for Lyft and some of your peers really look to to say our organic work is is really, you know, we really do have that momentum for that type of campaign. We just love, again, from an educational standpoint, um, to see if there's one that's really resonating with the team as you're as you're making these metrics and measurements. Yeah, for us, oh my God, that's such a hard tie. I think number one probably would be shares. Just because like it shows that resonated for with you. It shows that it it you connected so much with the creative as well that you wanted to share it with your own network. And obviously shares lead to virality, leads to like word of mouth. It just, it kind of like spreads the word and the good energy. But for us, I love kind of just going through the comment section because I feel like that's such great value to not only like shift and pivot your content because you're really listening to your audience. You're able to co-create with them. You're able to engage with them, have fun banter. And as we know on TikTok, like sometimes like the comment section is what people go to first versus even the videos. I love just going straight to the comment section uh, just to see how, how many people are like fans and advocates of the brand. Or if something didn't resonate, you'll learn in the comment section as well if it didn't resonate with folks. And you just like test and learn with them as well. Like you're always going to co-create with your audience. So the comment section is a good uh, determining factor on that. Can we talk for a minute about the Wienermobile? Uh, because you mentioned <laughs> this and I remember seeing this last year. I have a I have a weird childhood thing with the Wienermobile. I used to work when I was a kid in a grocery store. That was like my first my first job. And every summer the Wiener, 
the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. If you don't know what this thing is, it's just a big, how would you describe it? Uh, it's a big hot dog on wheels. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Minus the bun. I don't think it has a bun. It's just a big hot dog on wheels. And it would come to the grocery store every summer. And I was so enamored of it that I actually applied to be a Wienermobile, uh, I don't know what they call them, ambassador or something. And I did not get the job, but I, I did love the Wienermobile. Uh, and you you mentioned this in our, our notes before the conversation. I remember seeing Lyft did a thing, uh, I think it was last year, like August, uh, yeah. with the Wienermobile. What, yeah, I hear um, exactly. <laughs> what, what was that all about? And what was the community reaction to that? Like, it kind of blew up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I say this till now. It's probably one of my career highlights. Like, the fact that I got to ride in the Wienermobile around New York City, especially through Times Square, was unforgettable. <laughs> Um, yeah, so around last year, last summer, Oscar Mayer approached Lyft and wanted to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the Wienermobile song. So I want to be an Oscar Mayer Wiener, that famous song. And so like, what better way than to surprise and delight folks with having the Wienermobile show up in six cities across the country and some of the top most popular cities. And then if you ordered a Lyft XL on the day, instead of getting a car, you would get the Wienermobile, but we wouldn't say it, that it was going to show up to your door. So just a really great collaboration, just because like we're all about good energy, you know, the joy ride, like having just a really fun, great experience in a lift. And why not do this by like celebrating the fact that it's end of summer and and all of that. So long story short, they we, we partnered with them and created like all the face masks that had like the lift amp on the little like Wienermobile. We had T-shirts. We had a couple of the um, hot doggers ride in the Wienermobile. They were the drivers. They were the lift drivers. So because obviously I'm based in New York City, I was able to hop on to one of them and was driving around the city and just capturing live on my smartphone, like reactions and getting TikToks and live social content with all these writers. And it felt like being a celebrity because you just didn't know like how they were going to react. And as soon as we like showed up driving up to their door, like the reactions were memorable. And then just like driving through the city, we're waving in the windows and everyone's like, oh, my God, like. It was it was really awesome. It was like the first time we were able to kind of just connect with people in person again, because granted, like people were coming out for the first time after COVID, um, just during the pandemic, really taking out in the summer and enjoying being outdoors again. So connecting with people and being live on set on set was just really fun to get content with them. So very, very cool. <laughs> what an incredible campaign. And just visually, I bet the visual, you know, you can't miss it <laughs> if you're out and about and Boy, I have some questions for Daniel off off uh, off recording about his love of the Wiener <laughs> Wiener Mobile that may come up in future episodes. I'm just going to call that now. But um, you said something that you know was really important: TikTok and yeah. taking videos for TikTok. And no secret that TikTok has really you know become a, a very important channel for brands. And it's been disruptive for all of us. And it sounds from a lot of the work that you're doing, video has become really important. A lot of amazing metrics that are coming alongside it. And we'd just love to hear more about how TikTok has come into Lyft, how you all are using it, your thoughts on the channel. We know some channels can be fleeting and TikTok has not been that for many marketing teams. Uh, and we'd just love to hear hear your experience and how you all are using it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we launched back in 2021 and it was kind of just like a fun experimental platform for us. Like at first, you know, obviously when it first came out, we were trying to figure out like what's our what's our strategy going to be? What are we really going to do on, on the platform? So we were just testing and learning and we um, identified that a lot of our top performing YouTube content was actually featured on the platform and a lot of folks were posting around it. Um, Undercover Lift was a series we did a few years ago on YouTube, and it was obviously having celebrities come in and dress up as Lyft drivers and surprise and delight folks who came into the car. And so we saw a lot of those clips on TikTok getting millions and millions of views. So we're like, wait, that's our content. We should obviously be posting that and it's doing really well. So started like uh, posting those clips on the platform. Um, and then we just started getting fans who were creating content, mentioning us. And so we started really leaning into UGC as we figured out, you know, what our strategy is going to be. Um, but it's evolved so much that we decided, you know, like it's going to be an experimental channel. It's going to be something that we're going to really be more playful with than any other platform, but kind of just figuring out a format that works. And so we hired an agency to kind of help us figure out what that format could be. And right now it's actually been popping off. It's been doing so well. It's kind of like the man on the street interview style where we ask folks around New York City, like, you know, like what would make today a five-star day and kind of doing those those street interviews that it's so native to the platform and it's taken off. Like it, the authentic reactions we get from folks that we just talk to sporadically and just ask them these really good energy questions have done really well for us. So it's trying to like lean in to like what like is native to the platform and what feels ownable to us and just kind of just going from there. But we're still honestly learning and growing from that platform. I love it. I I can feel your energy and the excitement. You can just feel it. I think there's just incredible momentum, yeah. the authenticity, the fun, the play, the visual storytelling. It's it's just a fun platform. Let's admit it. Uh, yeah. But another question I have as a data analyst and as someone who's really capturing capturing this momentum, massive pain point for anyone who's been in an analyst position. It's just getting data from the platform. Um, and I'd love to hear, I know, fortunately, now a lot of the tools have opened up the API. We're getting a little bit more now than we ever did before. But any tips, any tricks to, you know, really anyone who's out there trying to capture and understand TikTok? What have been some of your best learnings? Because it's been a massive pain point for a lot of enterprise marketers. Yeah, I know. It's funny that you say that because I feel like a lot of the platforms obviously have evolved so much that the data is already there. So starting from scratch again, like having a platform not have as much data available, it's like kind of like, yeah, like a, 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 a flashback to the early Instagram, Facebook days. But um, I think for us, it's kind of just keeping a great community of folks who are in the same position. And so I kind of lean into a lot of like communities, like if it's Facebook groups or Discord groups or just people within your network who are also going through the same, we all kind of bond over that, trying to figure out what like everyone else is doing. So we kind of just help each other out with different tips and tricks. But like at first, it's kind of just having a team manually pull a lot of that stuff. Honestly, like that's kind of like where, what it, what it like boils down to, like whether it's any of the metrics from the comment section, like for us, like what's been really interesting is that the comment section sometimes gets more engagement than the posted content itself. And there's no way to really track that. So for us, it's like screenshotting. It's like writing them down. It's like having a scratch pad, a team scratch pad where all of us take turns to like monitor the platform. So it's very, very like laborious, but it's really cool to see how it evolves. Because now that we do have more advanced data, we already have a back, a backlog of data that we can kind of just accumulate together. And so it's been really helpful, but it is like tedious at first to track all of it. But it's really cool in the long run to just see how much you've grown. I, I want to go back a, a minute. You just said something uh, a minute or two ago that 
that sparked uh, something in me, which which was about the good energy moments. And I think, um, and that's that's about authenticity. It's a word that you know when I first started working in social media, like whenever two thousand eight, ten, twelve, whenever you kind of consider the beginning of social media, uh, brands talked about authenticity, and it just became so like I got tired of hearing it. To be honest, I think a lot of social media marketers probably got tired of hearing it too. It's like yes, be authentic. But I I feel like in the last couple of years, there's been this renewed focus on not being. The, the big brand on social is really behaving on a TikTok or an Instagram like a TikToker or an Instagrammer uh, as the brand. And I, I wonder how do you distinguish, do, or do you see any data correlation when you do sort of those, those good energy moments, be it the Wienermobile, which is amazing, or just kind of like a person on the street asking questions about, you know, like what's on your mind today on TikTok? Do you see some correlation and just like sentiment? Do people... Uh, does that spark like that community uh, engagement in the comments section more more so than some of the brand, I would say, classic brand posts on on uh, on social? Um, no, I definitely do. I agree with you too. I feel like authenticity is a word that kind of gets thrown around so much, but honestly, I feel like there's there's been such a shift in um, just overall the meaning of the word. And I also feel like, too, what we've been noticing in the data is the more meaningful metrics are the ones that are performing better than the ones that are like not it's not as meaningful, but the lightweight ones like the the shares and the saves have increased and in posts that we see are really resonating. But for us, it's taking the time to go through the comment section and really seeing if it resonated with her. I think I definitely agree with you with having that word authenticity be thrown around so much, especially early on in marketing. And I feel like it's kind of like lost its meaning, but it's definitely gained so much more momentum. I think it kind of aligns really great with platforms like TikTok. That's all about authenticity and even the launch of Be Real, like that shift of just not having to be so polished and perfect on social is so important now for for content to resonate with folks. I think at the end of the day, you just want to connect with people and connect with brands more and so I feel like for our content, what we've noticed so much is the content that we're trying to not be as polished in or the ones that we're trying to really like show our values through is the content that you'll see more of the more meaningful metrics like increase and overperform. Like we take, we break it down like likes, comments, shares, saves, and then you'll see a lot more of like the shares and comments spike on content that really, really resonates, even the saves too. Um, I think it's just kind of taking a deep dive in the comment section too, to get a pulse of like what people are saying. And the content that really feels natural to us and the ones where we take a stance on things and really have an opinion and a POV is the content that gets shared. But not only shared, it gets shared with a comment that says, like, Lyft is my ride share brand or I, I stand with Lyft or like Lyft is like my my favorite or like there that we build our own brand advocates, especially on um, on content on TikTok. We've noticed where we really have a POV on things. That's when you see the audience being like, yeah, Lyft is always the one I, I oh. use like. Those types of comments like that we'll see is like us being true to our values and people aligning with that. How much you fangirl your own data makes me want to work with you so <laughs> much. Um, I think just the passion that you that you clearly have and leaving no stone unturned is just super cool. So I have to call that out. Um, but, uh, you know, with that, too, I'd love to hear were there any campaigns or moments especially you're the data person, you get kind of the firsthand seat, firsthand knowledge, any moments that surprise the team that you all, you know, you weren't expecting maybe virality or expecting a comment that just took off like wildfire. 
any cool moments? Because again, such a fun brand doing incredible things and would just love to hear any of your favorite stories. Um, I'm sure our listeners would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I think one that really stands out that's really fun was us. It happened on TikTok and it was with an influencer on there. Her name is Girlboss, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And so she, what her niche is on TikTok is she pitches marketing ideas for brands. So she'll just outright pick a brand and like think of fun campaigns they should do and really like goes on this whole spiel of how this whole campaign should be executed. And it's just really fun. All of her brands are like, yeah, you should do it or you should pitch it to them. And so she did one actually for Uber for the Super Bowl. And so she pitched this really cool idea. And obviously, like we're super active on TikTok. It's one of our favorite platforms to really play around on. And although Uber has an account, they weren't active at the moment. So they had no videos, no posts or anything like that. So we're like, oh, we were really active on it. And so we didn't think that they were going to see it. We're like, oh, this is such a great idea. It was kind of like having like a friend of like a reunion in the backseat of like a lift. And then like it was like really fun, good energy vibe. And it had like Let's Be Friends song playing in the background. And it was just a really fun idea. And so we chimed in the comments. We're like, hey, like we're actually really active on TikTok. Uh, Kind of like saying like they're not. We are. But like we love to do this campaign. And so the fact that a brand chimed in on the comment section was actually cool. It's I think it's cool, obviously, on a platform like TikTok for brands to chime in. And so she was like, yeah, like, let's do it. So all of her fans were chiming in and rallying for us. They're like, yeah, Lyft, oh, yeah, Lyft is like, like a better brand for this. Or this was like a great idea for Lyft. Oh, I only ride Lyft. So like we just saw a whole spew of like comments for like advocating for us and a growth in obviously views and engagement for her, a growth from our channel. And then she kept making more videos with our reply, with our comments as like video replies and was just advocating it. So we ended up taking it offline and speaking with her and trying to plan this whole campaign. So it was just really cool to kind of see how this evolved. Like all of her videos ever since then were getting millions of views that were mentioning us. And it was just great momentum to just see like, let's keep doing more of this and creating more engagement with folks on the platform. That's just one, but there's like so many where we just kind of insert. I think if you have uh, an opinion and a POV on something, people really take it to heart and really kind of elevate it. And that really stands out the most. Something you're saying here really, really resonates with me. And it's it's that a lot of brand marketers, uh, I know we have some, many brand marketers in our social pros uh, listener community, so please don't take this personally, those of you listening. But a lot of brand marketers uh, tend to think in, in more black and white terms. So uh, they they may say, I need to know what success might look like on this before we go off and say yes to it. And the thing about like a TikTok, and this was tr- was true on Instagram, I think, for a long time too, is that you'll know it when you see it. I mean, that's 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 really what it comes down to. I it's difficult to predict what's going to be popular tomorrow, but you will know it when you see it. And it sounds like what you were just describing with that was a, we know we hit a we hit the right kind of nerve nerve here. We hit the right kind of thread. Uh, from I want to uh, kind of uh, try to. F- Talk about how does that correlate with on the data side when you have uh, a colleague who might might say something like how do we how are we going to evaluate if this thing is going to work for us like should we invest the time and resources to go do that and you kind of you know you know you have you have this instinct like you kind of know it when you see it but how do you back that up with a little bit of data that that really pushes that point forward. Yeah, though that's a great question. I think it works for advocating for the content that you know is going to work, obviously getting the resources and budget to show like, hey, like, I know this is going to work. Let me just prove it to you. But also it shows when things shouldn't be posted on social. 
and already knowing it's going to do bad but, or not perform well and trying to show with data that as well. So it kind of works both good and bad. So for us, yeah, it's kind of just trusting, like it's gaining the respect to and the the power and the confidence for the social team to like they know what they know and we're good at what we do and just trust that we'll 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 deliver so kind of just like giving us the trust as as any other like marketing department should have but also just like proving with either um prior uh, you know content or seeing other brands do similar things that you want to do and just showing how it's been working for them um but then just giving us like a playground like a testing like a learning agenda like a time frame of like let us test this time period these formats like kind of have a more formulated like approach to it to show that we are trying to evolve and learn i think that's also just showing like the homework you want to do not just saying oh let's just try this thing like like that is obviously like hesitant to like really approve. But if you're able to show, I want to learn this, like have a specific learning agenda going into it, I think is really important. But also for us too, like we're all about brand engagement and brand, like brand love and awareness that if we know that more like, I guess, brand initiatives that are too, too polished or too forced, even though they knew they do want to have that exposure and the awareness to be on our social channels, we, we sometimes know that they're not going to do that well. If they're too branded, too, if it feels like too out of left field for a flow that we're going with on our channels, and we know from our gut instinct it's not going to work, we sometimes allow it just to show with the numbers that it doesn't perform. And it's happened multiple times where I'll pull the monthly reports and we said, hey, we knew this piece of content wasn't going to do well. We tried it. It didn't work. And then it's kind of just showing with that data that either we evolve it or we just don't use this channel to promote it. We find other ways to do it. So, yeah. I think everyone just heard it right here, the power of data analysis. It's so critical. <laughs> Truly, I think my data analysts are my right hand always. And, you know, again, I think it's just really an evolving space and still being fully appreciated and understood. But the ability to identify and test and do some of the things that you're describing and having someone that's curious and looking at these trends and finding these, you know, really energy driven moments, I, I think is really important. And I, you know, I had one real final question for you just around, you mentioned engagement and brand love and how important that is to the brand really surrounding your community and, and really making sure those fans and followers feel that passion and feel that, that synergy. How are we keeping up with the 20? Four seven nature of all of that. I mean, the irony is you all are a 24 seven business. So, you know, maybe there's some of those principles that applied, but, you know, with 24 seven social listening with 24 seven engagement, are you even doing 24 seven engagement? You know, I, I'm not sure, but the expectation of our fans and our followers online is certainly that you're always on and always responsive. How are you all handling the volume? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We are 24-7, not only social, but obviously our business as well. So it's always keeping a pulse on what's happening. So it's kind of like not, it's trying to disconnect, but not really. You're always having a pulse. Like I, we have different teams across the country that are always monitoring it. So we always have like different people in different time zones to really help us manage and monitor, monitor it all. Um, and it's just always making sure we have a response team active and ready to go whenever anything is happening. And honestly, a lot of it just obviously happens on social first is what we notice. It'll start there and then like, kind of like move its way backwards. So it's kind of having a response ready, um, making sure we're covering all grounds. Like I think honestly aligning with our values. I know I, I keep saying it, but that's kind of just our bread and butter is like we do and we act on what feels right for us and what we feel like is responsibly good for us to do. And we make sure we're transparent about that on social. 
So not only is it having a team in each time zone monitoring it, having a response ready, preparing and doing the right actions, and then communicating that to our folks that everything is handled. And I think like TikTok is where that kind of like starts first too. It's just so viral and things spread so fast. So making sure we're transparent that we're actually taking action or looking into things is just really great for us to kind of just communicate that to our, our followers. I think it's, again, just such a good continued learning for all brands about the power of engagement, the power of community, the expectations of customer care. And yeah. again, you all have, have been an amazing example. And this has been such a such a fun conversation to, to hear about how you're bringing data to life within that environment, because you all are a really big data organization that, you know, a lot of people are using and sharing and have a lot of love for. So really exciting, you know, to to hear these kinds of tips and tricks and feedback from, from you and from the horse's mouth. And Stephanie, we have our famous final two questions. And I think the first one ties in really, really nicely to you and data and your evangelization of data. We would just, you know, again, 500 plus uh, episodes that we've had, we ask these questions. Question number one, um, what advice would you give to a social pro or a, a rising data analyst um, for social media? Uh, would love to hear your your feedback. Yeah, I actually have a two part answer to that. I mean, there's so many answers to it, but I feel like I kind of like two answers to that. One, I think is have experience experimenting with the platforms, obviously, as a personal use uh, user, but I think finding the value uh, and being able to show that to senior execs, like proving the value in a business perspective of social. So kind of like looking at it and look to the lens of like the work that you do, how are you able to provide value and show that value within the company or any brand or, or that you work at? Honestly, I feel like kind of just showing the value from a business perspective is super important. But I think number two is like for, forget perfectionism and lean into authenticity. And what I mean by that is identifying your core values and really leading with that in the content that you do. Because I think every industry, like as more and more creators, you know, start coming through, like every industry is crowded and when it comes to being online, but everybody can stand out if you are, you know, um, doing what's natural to you and doing what you feel like you want to be doing in that space and just being authentically you. And I think that's what people will gravitate towards. I know so many folks in different industries and I follow certain folks because I resonate with them because of who they are versus others, not saying like there is one good or one bad influencer in each in each market. But I think it's just really great to just do what's 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 you, honestly, what's authentically you and your values. So I think that's great, a great start amongst everything else. I think you can be taught along the way. <laughs> well, I uh, I'm really excited to hear your answer for number two, given your your widespread uh, uh, list of, of ideas and interests and adventures that you've had. Uh, but question number two, uh, if you could have a video call with any living person, who would it be? Oh, man, that's such a great question. I probably would say Esther Perel, honestly, would be my my choice. Uh, there's so many folks in my industry, but I feel like what she talks about and just like the bond and the connections you have in your human relationships really translate to every part of your life. And I think at the end of the day, that's what social is. Like you're just trying to be authentically you. And even if it's a brand or a person, I think you're just trying to show your values and what content and what value you bring to folks in their feed and how you connect with them and just learning from their human behavior. Like how are they engaging with your content? You're just trying to connect at the end of the day. And I think she talks about that really great in all of her books and podcasts. So I'm a huge fan. So I'd love to talk to her someday. <laughs> I I always love hearing uh I mean, I always love hearing what guests say, who the person is that they would want to have a video call with, but primarily why. And I think 
you, you just nailed it. Uh, you just nailed it there. It's, it's, it's really about, um, finding someone who kind of sparks interest and, and joy for you as a, as a member of, of the social pro or, or marketing or just general community. Um, so it is the, today's conversation has been a general, general, genuine, I should say genuine, good energy moment. You talked about good energy moments. I feel like this has been, uh, 40 minutes or 30 minutes or so of good energy moments. Uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for being part of uh, the Social Pros community. Thanks for being on the podcast. We hope to have you back again and talk about some of your other uh, many interests and uh, areas of expertise. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in for another week on what we hope is your very favorite podcast in the whole wide world, Social Pros. Social Pros.